It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, like, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So, like, I don't shoot kind of miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Canada, the NBA title is yours. We're going to the first of the Hail Mary 3 by Mo Get that garbage out of here. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 835 of Locked On Raptors for Monday, November the 30th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. You can find the show at Locked On Raptors, where you can find links to every single episode of the podcast. And, of course, please make sure you're checking out the entirety of the Locked On Podcast Network, covering your team every day across all of our wonderful channels, covering the Big Four Sports, the NCAA. we got Locked On Women's Basketball going strong as well. No shortage of stuff or teams that you can uh, dive in on out there on the Locked On Network. So go and check it out. All right. On today's show, we are diving into a bummer of a topic, but it has to be talked about. Terrence Davis, as we uh, sort of talked about on Friday's podcast, had his guaranteed date of the 29th come and go. The Raptors did not waive him before the deadline on Sunday. So Terrence Davis, with the seven charges of domestic violence still levied against him, a court date on December 11th, is still on the Toronto Raptors and is still... Scheduled to head to Florida to train with the team starting, I guess, tomorrow when training camp opens. And we'll you know, figure to be in the lineup during preseason games and stuff like that as we get ready for the season on the 22nd. And that's a bummer. And we talked about a lot of the reasons why it's a huge bummer on Friday's podcast. And joining me today to dive into a wonderful piece that she wrote for her excellent Basketball Feelings newsletter and just sort of all of the different very shitty elements of this story is Katie Heindel. Katie, how are you? Hi, man. Um, I'm okay. You know, I uh, I feel like I've been going a little up and down um, in the past, like, 48 hours, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, feel less sad, but just, like, kind of more back to being uh, like really annoyed and, and frustrated. Yeah, I, uh, I feel you there. If anyone has not yet read Katie's piece, please subscribe to Basketball Feelings. It's the very, very best. And it's an excellent, excellent write-up on the situation with Terrence Davis and sort of the the hollowness of the whole my hands are tied argument that the Raptors, you know, not even are necessarily putting out there themselves, but is sort of the justification for the Raptors in action when it comes to Terrence Davis. So, so basically, you know, we talked on Friday about the reasons why I thought Terrence Davis should not be on the team by Sunday and the reasons why I thought he would be on the team just because there are a lot of quote-unquote ropes tying the hands of the Toronto Raptors. You know, it's how severely and and tightly tied those ropes are is, I I think, up for interpretation. But basically, the Raptors could not release Terrence Davis without risk of an NBA PA grievance, as reported by Michael Grange at Sportsnet. 
They could not release him without a grievance being filed by the NBAPA. You can release a player for basketball reasons. You cannot re- release a player for non-basketball reasons when there's still a court case still pending. And as a result, had the Raptors cut ties with Terrence Davis, a guy who just made second team all-rookie and was featured in some of their PR ahead of the season in like New Jersey's and stuff, I don't think the Raptors would have had much of a case to say, oh, this was for basketball reasons. And that's just an unfortunate part of this. Um, there was also, you know, just the whole unfortunate conversation that comes up with these types of cases where oftentimes the player's talent determines how the team is going to react and, and the course they're going to take, whether it's going to be uh, sort of upfront and I, I think a, a more sort of definitive response where like Kay Felder, he was just released right away last year from the G League team. If it's a good player, they're probably more likely to see through the process, whatever the process may be, league investigations, the NBAPA side of things, all of that. So Katie, you wrote about the many, many reasons why the Raptors have been able to just kind of be in a holding pattern for the last little while here and were able to maintain that holding pattern through Sunday. I am with you in your assertion in your piece that those justifications don't hold a ton of water in, you know, if you're looking at what the team actually could have done and the sort of actions they could have taken that may have been difficult, sure, but not impossible to pull off. Where are you at right now, Katie, with the whole idea of the Raptors' hands being tied with the situation? I'm in the same place. Like, I don't think that's correct logic to apply to an organization, like to a business. Um, I think it's kind of a problem when you apply like measures of leniency and like are very quick to want to explain on behalf of um, a private like organization such as the Raptors, you know, as like a as media or as a fan of them. Like I think, you know, a lot of accountability gets lost in the shuffle, but like and I understand they are a private organization, but they are accountable to you because you pay money for um, whether it's like merch or you go you go to games um and even in your fandom like obviously i am supportive of this but there is something i think for like the emotional kind of price of like putting yourself behind the team um and like the toll that that can take and i don't think that's like you know some people might argue that's less tangible than money fine but like it it doesn't really matter um so i think like yes they're they are delayed in that they can't make like they can't cut him I guess because they don't want to face repercussions um, from the MBPA. And I understand that, like, like I get the thing is, like, I get the investigation. A lot of, like, the blowback has been, like, do you understand, do you understand, like, what's happening? It's like, yeah, I, I fully understand it. I get it. Like, I, I've, I followed investigations like this before when it's not involving the Raptors, when it's involving other NBA teams. Like, I write about this shit a lot. So, my problem, um, is that there are other things that the team could be doing um, but are kind of casually using this investigative period to basically just say like well what, like what could we do and also to trust and assume that you know this is the explainer that they can kind of use writ large mm-hmm. um, for anyone asking questions and that they won't really like have to look closer like they're they're basically in this kind of like prolonged kind of like grace period I think um, whereas like, you know, some pretty other simple options, I think when you wouldn't, you like, this is the thing also, would they get, would they get blowback from the MBPA if they told Terrence Davis, don't come to Tampa with us? Like we, look, we renewed your contract. We are, we ha- we're under obligation to do that, but you can't come to, to Tampa with us. 
stay wherever you are. Mm-hmm. Maybe. But like that is also such like who knows that's like one of those things is like who knows until it actually happened. You know, like is that just kind of like a middling thing that like, you know, his whether his like legal defense would like immediately, you know, come for the Raptors or the MBPA would? I don't know. Because that's also like that's happened in cases before. Another thing that's happened in cases like this with players is a team will put a player on administrative leave. Yeah. Paid administrative leave. And like this is a shitty thing that happens in a lot of professions. Like think cops most recently you know who like commit like heinous acts of violence uh they're usually placed on administrative leave that's paid Mm -hmm. uh and just like told not to come in so like there are definitely actions i think that the team could take within this like holding period because it is kind of just like a holding period they're not off the hook they're not like they'll still have to decide what to do but they're really using this like screen in my opinion um of the league investigation, which is also just like, like these things are so arbitrary. They take like, I don't know, like it's never set out of like how much time it should take, like based on like case to case, like the Luke Walton stuff that was like very conveniently wrapped up, like right before the season started. And he had a job, you know, waiting for him with the Kings, uh, like after he, he left the Lakers. So Mm -hmm. these are things that like, I just find it so like, I'd say interesting if it wasn't so depressing, but you know, the the Raptors are basically like more like it's I think it's more apt to say they're like sitting on their hands. You know, they've been told to like wait, mm-hmm. but their hands are not down that tightly. There are things they could do. There are other things they could just signal to fans um, that they're doing in the interim, like donate some money to a women's crisis center in the city. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like you can make light of it, I think, without it becoming a PR nightmare, because what I think is happening now is like you're losing a lot of accountability because like silence in cases like this. I think it equates to being complicit. Yeah, like not technically doing anything wrong does not mean that the Raptors are in the right, right? Mm-hmm. Like they and you know, I I was saying like, hey, just cut them and you know it's fine. And yeah, I probably should have been more brushed up on the NBA PA side of things and the grievance that would come from that. But you know, my my whole thing too is like what is the actual punishment? What are the repercussions if they were to just say in a stance like firmly against having Terrence Davis on their team, whether it is putting him on paid leave, which I believe is illegal to do actually. Like you can totally do that with no problem and no recourse if he's still getting paid. And so number one, they should just do that. But if they were to just cut him before Sunday, like what are the actual repercussions? There's probably a grievance. There's probably an investigation and the Raptors probably do end up losing that grievance because they didn't have non-basketball or didn't have on-court basketball reasons to cut him. But what does that account like what does that mean? Do they get have to pay his salary this year even though he's not on the team? Do they have to have him back on the team? Like what is the actual recourse there because if it is okay, he's not on the team anymore, but you have to pay his full salary, then that's more than enough of a cost to pay to or that's it's a little cost to pay that is I should say to actually take the stand of no we don't want to be involved with this guy and mm-hmm. so you know it, it's it's that whole sort of like mythical what are the repercussions thing when the repercussions probably aren't that serious or something that a big organization like the Raptors can't handle yeah and I think you make a really good point and like that's sort of what I wrote about and is what's really frustrating is like a lot of the times in cases like this it's like the precedent becomes the norm. So just because a team has never done it before, like it doesn't mean it's impossible to do it. It's just like maybe it's not comfortable. You know, mm-hmm. maybe it would like 
maybe it would embroil them a little bit into some like legal back and forth. But I really don't think it would be, to your point, like a lot or not or something they couldn't handle like fiscally or like the I don't know, like the PR fallout, which I actually don't think would be a lot because I do feel like I know we're in our kind of like insular maybe bubble of like fandom and media but I also just feel like what I'm seeing is a lot of people having kind of questions across the board as to like what is kind of taking so long or they'd like to see some action you know in the interim but yeah like just because just because no team has maybe done this before or maybe no team has done this as publicly before as the Raptors would have to do it now with like all eyes on them and like this becomes a question there isn't really a reason why they couldn't do it the reason they can't do it is because of the president of the of the cba mm-hmm. but there's also like that's why you have like that's why you have rules like like rules like that get broken all the time and then it's like another lawsuit basically mm-hmm. it doesn't it's like not set in stone and it wouldn't like really like ruin things for the team forever so i think you know that's a very frustrating thing just generally in sports because a lot of people like to tout those lines of just like well this is like how can you go against this? It's like, no, you could very well go against this. It's just the entire team and organization would need to be aligned uh, to do that. Yeah, it's uh, it's super disappointing. Uh, I would hope that maybe over the next couple of days here as the process of arriving in Tampa takes place that maybe we'll get word that Terrence Davis is in fact not there and there is a bit of a paid leave situation going on. I'm not sure. He's got his court case on December 11th and that might be... You know, the earliest we get any sort of update on this, we'll obviously still be talking about this on the podcast throughout. And I want to keep talking about this, Katie. Uh, Assuming we don't get some sort of clarity on December the 11th, this is probably going to drag into the season itself. And I want to get into that as people who care about the team and cover the team, but also want the team to win the basketball games and get happy when they do that. I want to dive into that sort of uh, conundrum in just a second. But first, uh, I should tell everybody about Built Bar, which is the best tasting protein bar you can find. And right now on Cyber Monday only, they have an excellent, excellent offer for you, including three of their new bars, two of the new bars, that is, sorry, uh, with a white chocolate base. White chocolate. That's amazing. I'm very, very excited to try this out. While supplies last, you can get white chocolate cherry sundae and white chocolate coconut deluxe all from BuiltBar.com right now. And when you do that, when you order any item of that white chocolate milieu on BuiltBar.com right now, you're going to get two free candy cane brownie bars as well with with each item person. Uh, and again, continued while supplies last. These are healthy bars. They're delicious bars. They're the best tasting protein bar you're ever going to find. Once again, go to BuiltBar.com and get 25% off for Cyber Monday. Plus, don't forget to use the promo code LOCKED to get an extra percent off your order at checkout. Uh, try out those white chocolate bars. They're really, really good. Go to BuiltBar.com. Again, promo code is LOCKED, L-O-C-K-E-D. This Lockdown Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less takeout, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals plus 
free shipping on your first box and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. All right, Katie, uh, just before we continue on here, just a heads up that tomorrow's show, Big Viva Vec Jacob's going to come on in the next two days, actually. We're going to do a two-part episode where we're going to run through some of our favorite potential lineups for the Raptors in this coming season. Very excited to dive into that little thought exercise with myself and Big V, so stick around on Tuesday and Wednesday for that. Okay, Katie, back to the Terrence Davis situation. So as we mentioned before the break, December 11th is Terrence Davis's next court date. I guess best case scenario is we get some more clarity from that court date, from those proceedings, and maybe the Raptors are able to make a call then and there. Seems unlikely because, as you mentioned, these investigations take a very, very long time. They're protracted. It takes a while for the courts and the NBA and the NBAPA and all that stuff to sort of come to its final conclusion more often than not, barring the, you know, the charges being thrown out of court or whatever it might be, which often happens in these types of cases as well. Um, with that, assuming it goes beyond December 11th, and which again is probably the best case scenario that it just is all resolved by then, doesn't seem likely, this is very likely to extend into the season. And in particular, if you sort of look at some of, pa- some of the past precedents in the NBA with cases like this, Darren Collison, for example, comes to mind, where he was found guilty of, of a domestic uh, abuse situation and he was suspended for eight games by the NBA and then they just came back and continued to play for the Indiana Indiana Pacers and played until he ended up retiring his career was none the different other than those eight games that he missed it I suppose it's very possible that the Raptors even though they say they have a zero tolerance policy and you'd hope that if he is found guilty at some point he'll be cut from the team immediately there is also the possibility that and we've seen it, but not just Darren Collison, Kendrick Nunn is currently playing in the NBA. Lots of different guys are playing in the NBA who have been found guilty of domestic violence in the past. It's a very real possibility here, Katie, that Terrence Davis uh, is found guilty, serves a suspension, eight games, whatever it might be, and ends up coming back and continues to be a member of the Toronto Raptors this season. This would suck. I, I really hope this doesn't come to pass, but I'm curious, Katie, as someone who, again, covers the team and cares about the results that the team produces, how do you feel about that? And how would that sort of change the way you think about the team if Terrence Davis is still on the team after, quote-unquote, serving his sentence? Um, you know, it, it's not, a, not an ideal situation, I don't think. Yeah, I mean, I think then you start to see the, the leniency and, like, all the breathing room between what you say is like zero tolerance, basically the room from from zero to one, you know, it's like there's a lot of space there and there's a lot of leeway and it kind of depends on who you, who you are and like your value to the team um, and all these other kind of gray area things that like, frankly, like when you say you have a zero tolerance policy, nothing else should basically come into like be another factor, you know, like there should be no outlier reasons as to why you say one thing and like you do another. Uh, in this case, like my best case scenario is they wave, they like, they wave him eventually. Um, they don't really, they say whatever to the CBA and they, you know, opt to cut him. Um, they deal with the ramifications of that. They have him sit out for the rest of the year and like kind of deal him somewhere else, which kind of has its own problems because you're, you're also kind of passing the buck then you're not really making or taking a stand, uh, on like what you say are your 
internal company policies whatsoever. So it would be a really big bummer. And I think for a lot of people, um, women especially, like it does signal a certain like diversion from your like fandom or your following or your love of the team to what is like passable. Because I think, you know, there's a lot of things that happen in pro sports of like whatever you follow that maybe you don't agree with personally, but you can kind of put that out of your mind. Like we talk about this a lot on our other podcasts with just like the NBA return to play and COVID, you know, and like things that we don't necessarily like or agree with or we think are gross, but we can kind of suspend it and like still sit within the space of following and loving the sport. But I find like as a woman, one, like writing and covering the sport, being close to the team and also just like genuinely like this is my team. Like I love the Raptors, but it gets to a point where you're like, I don't know, like at what cost really? Cause I don't feel good. Mm. Like watching, watching a team this year that theoretically has Terrence Davis on the roster, getting like legitimate minutes playing like in, in like, I don't know, as many games as he did last year, say for example, I would probably turn away from the team to some degree. I would, I couldn't like consciously, you know, support or follow them in the same way. I probably have to still follow them for work, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, but my view would substantially shift because I think like, and I think it's like, as I said earlier, like I think it's fine to hold uh, like something as abstract as a team accountable because I don't know how else you really like establish values within the world that you live in for yourself. And I also don't know then how you establish and change the values of the world that like you hope to, where you hope to like affect change for these terrible, heinous things to stop happening unless you take a stand at some point. And if the team's not going to do that, I think a lot of people will probably do it themselves, whether that is like, as like, you know, dramatically is like, you know, I'm boycotting this team. I don't think that will happen, but I think a lot of people won't be able to square this and the team's response to it thus far, and assuming like their response stays the way it is, um, with their own kind of fandom. Yeah, and I think it's probably going to end up being different for every person, right? I feel like, mm-hmm. you know, I, I I'm not here to tell anybody how to react if this, you know, kind of worst case scenario does come to pass. Um, you know, it's it, it and it's, it'll be even more muddled, I think, if you know the, the charges are end up thrown out of court or whatever, and never ends up actually going through, and then you're sitting there without any sort of real, um, you know, full closure on the situation either. But I mean, you know, for for me, uh, it, you know, sports are often an act in compartmentalization, right? Especially if you're like a socially conscious person, it's hard to reconcile at times the sort of ghoulish business interests at play while also trying to, you know, uphold your own morals and stuff like that. And, you know, I, I don't think this would be any different. I think it'd be a really difficult thing, right? And, you know, for me, I know I will still like the team. I will still care about the team and want it to win, I'm sure. And the other people on the team who I've grown with over the last, you know, five years covering the team and 25 years rooting for the team, you know, like uh, my feelings on Kyle Lowry or Fred Van Vliet or Pascal Siakam won't necessarily change, but the franchise as a whole will certainly have a, a stain on it. And, you know, it, it's, but then it, it's sort of like, okay, well, every team has kind of done this too, right? So you're kind of reconciling that too with, oh, well, Kendrick Nunn is playing for the Heat 
and Heat fans seem to be okay with you know what what's gone on down there. And are they compartmentalizing that? Are they just embracing Kendrick Dunn? I certainly don't think I'll ever embrace Terrence Davis as a member of the Raptors ever again. It just doesn't seem likely to me, barring some you know transformative uh, you know making of amends and you know actually showing he's doing the work and things like that. But that takes a long time. And so for me, it probably will end up being something where, you know, it's got to be like, all right, well, if Terrence Davis is playing in this game, I will be enjoying the game itself, not enjoying Terrence Davis and probably donating money to a women's shelter or something like that to sort of, I don't know, clear conscience is a little bit of a, of a strong way to say it, but like to sort of, I don't know, just reconcile to my head, I suppose. I don't know. It's mm-hmm. uh it's difficult when you have so much tied up, like for me and you, both professionally and personally tied up into a basketball team. And maybe that is the, the warning <laughs> that we or like the sign that maybe we, we're too tied up in this shit. But, you know, I, I, you know, I don't see myself not caring about the team, but I certainly see myself being having the experience tainted if he remains on it after whatever this is. And hey, you know, I, I guess he could be proven innocent as well. But it, that, yeah, I don't even really know. It, it's yeah, yeah. I mean, okay. So <laughs> there's like a couple of things I still want to talk about. But yeah, of course. Um, the first, and just in in the case of like whether this gets dropped or the the case gets you know thrown out of court or whatever, or the charges are dropped by Davis's partner. Mm-hmm. Like, I also want to just point out that like that doesn't that doesn't equate with innocence, you know, like that doesn't equate with he's like cleared of these charges. That is a very common thing that happens. Like James Johnson. Yeah, exactly. Like Mm -hmm. the majority of the time I've seen false allegation arguments. Like I don't even want to respond to that line of thinking, you know, here, here, but like if you want some depressing stats, just because I honestly feel like it is not, it is. It seems like a passing thing, I think, to people who like do not understand or are like not inundated with the gravity of these kinds of situations. I think as regularly as like unfortunately most women are. You know, like ninety yeah. percent of rapes go unreported. One in five women in the U.S. have been raped in their lifetime. In the U.S., nearly twenty people per minute are abused by an intimate partner. You know, in in the U.S. again, intimate partner violence accounts for fifteen percent of all violent crime. In Canada. You know, every six days a woman is killed by her intimate partner. Half of all women in Canada have experienced at least one act of physical or sexual violence uh, since they were the age of 16. And that stat, these are, that's a stat from the Canadian Women's Foundation, is from 1993 because there haven't been any more federal attempts at, like, updating this data. Mm-hmm. So just sit with that and, like, consider generally how more women currently live in Canada by virtue of either, like, newcomers or population growth, you know, and just, mm-hmm. like, think of how even the importance of data like is not placed on these issues in the same way. So yeah. like I just I think you know the the thing with the investigation like in the grand scheme of things is incredibly rare for instances of domestic abuse and sexual assault to be investigated and it's rarer still when you consider the small percentage of instances that are like that are reported as I just said. So I think for some and some NBA franchises included as we said like the investigations themselves are seen not just as like due diligence, one due diligence you could do, but like as the only thing they should be doing. When in reality, like we said, it's the bare minimum. So the team to me, they're cooperating with a process they have no real part in. Mm-hmm. Like their effort on the Raptors part in that sense is very, very low. And to me, as we've said, like all I've seen from the team so far is that their signaling is that they want him to play. 
they've yeah. his he he has his contract. He's ostensibly going to Tampa to work out with them, whether it's not full time or some degree. They still want him around in there. So we just like to have seen these are like maybe subtle cues, but they're also not very hard to find. It's not like I'm digging around and like that's how I found them. Like that's information that's out there. They're just like not really talking about it. And there but what I haven't seen is signaling to to like the other to the other side of this, which is like, what are you gonna do about this? Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, when we talk about how we can kind of square this with ourselves, like and like, yes, of course there's like there's too many. Like it will make you sick to your stomach when you look into all the instances of domestic violence within the NBA. I mean, but then also just within the world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I think to a degree you can reconcile it and still watch, but I also think there is a point when, and like this sounds super oversimplified, but things will remain okay and passable until people say they're not. Yeah. Until someone is just like, actually this isn't okay. Like this isn't fine. And I think my problem and what I keep getting stuck on with the Raptors in this specific case is that there is more they could be doing. Yeah. They are the ones that actually could set a new precedent. They could set a new standard just by what they choose to do in this situation. And they're not doing it. They're going along with the status quo of, of, of teams that have done this before. So they're following in very well-trod footsteps. They're not, they're not like standing on their morals or values. The things that they state, that's the thing too. It's like when people say, oh, you know, like this is just a team, it's just a business. But like the Raptors we know and anyone who's familiar with the team understands that they very loudly talk about, you know, what we stand for, you know, like zero tolerance especially and just like everyone is valuable. But like you are not practicing any of that shit right now. You're actually just like handily ignoring it. So that I think for me, I wouldn't say it's a rude awakening because I was always aware of this, but I don't think I could see myself turning back to the team in a way that I really did before. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't actually see that happening. If Terrence Davis stays, if he plays, like that's just that world. It kind of doesn't exist for me anymore. Yeah, totally fair and entirely justified as well. And you know, look, look, this is the worst case scenario and it's far down the line. And I would hope that at some point the sort of values and morals the Raptors espouse will shine through here at some point. They haven't yet as they take advantage of the holding pattern provided by the framework of these investigations. But at the same time, I mean, like you're not really in a holding pattern if you're saying, yeah, Terrence, come and play for us before we know anything one way or another. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's uh, it's a shitty situation and I do not begrudge or disagree with anyone whose like fundamental feelings on the team are entirely changed by it that is entirely uh, understandable and you know certainly not something that i'll be immune to as this continues on as well so thank you katie for providing such wonderful insight on this we have a bit more to get to on today's show just some recapping of stuff from over the weekend and uh wrapping things up and our local business of the day that we're going to shout out but uh first i want to tell everybody about locked on nba every monday josh lloyd has the local experts from the teams the shows covering the biggest stories in the nba on the podcast to run through i'm on there once in a while and it's a lot of fun josh is great and that's every monday over on locked on nba go subscribe and listen
The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Katie, so uh, we'll wrap things up here just by taking a look at some of the news from over the weekend. The Raptors have signed O'Shea Brissett. This came down Monday morning. O'Shea Brissett to a two-year minimum deal. He will be... Uh, in camp and competing theoretically for the last roster spot. Jalen Harris also gets a two-way contract, joining Paul Watson among the two ways. So he will be on the team, get 50 games of run most likely at the most, and we'll see what happens with the G League. There was a report there's going to be a G League bubble, which sounds pretty fun and far safer than what the NBA seems to be planning to do. But um, we'll obviously, I'm not sure how the call-ups and things like that will work. It sounds like that's going to take place down at College Park, Georgia, the home of the Atlanta Hawks and the uh, G League team for them. The College Park Skyhawks, I think, is the team. Either way, uh, that's the latest on that. Also likely joining that uh, G League team will be Alizé Johnson, who was signed on Friday, former Indiana Pacers, 6'7 forward. Very good rebounder, hustle, bounciness, not a ton else to offer, but uh, Tony East, our friend from over at Lockdown Pacers, made note that he's very fun and easy to like, so that's good. I'm on board with that. And uh, Yuta Watanabe as well added to the Raptors uh, training camp roster, and he will likely be on the 905 as well. Got a few games in with the Memphis Grizzlies this past season, and uh, seems to be kind of a fun and cool guy as well. Katie... Not exactly a uh, crazy weekend of transactions or anything like that, but uh, I want to ask you about O'Shea Brissett, who got a little bit of run last year. He had that stretch when the Raptors were horribly, horribly injured where he got into some games, played a huge role in the December 28th win over the Celtics, the Christmas revenge game. He was excellent in that one. He had a big game against Portland as well, if I recall, where he had a double-double or close to it and was uh, super fun. Uh, What are your thoughts on O'Shea Brissett getting a second kick at the can with the Raptors this time on a full NBA deal, not a two-way? I think it's great. Um, I think, like, he didn't, you know, guys like him and Paul Watson Jr., unfortunately, like, don't get as much time as they probably should to improve. And I think last year's disruption really like hurt two way and like kind of G league based players a lot more, obviously. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's nice to see them bringing him back. Uh, It's nice to see that hopefully he'll have like more like of a meaningful, like meaningful part with the team. Um, I don't know. He's like, he's a nice guy. I'm excited for him. (laughs) I also am happy that, I hadn't heard that about the G League bubble, so I'm happy if that happens because that was something I had been thinking about. Like, so it's a lot of guys' livelihoods, you know? Yeah. It's a lot of guys who already, like, stake so much on that season and, like, just, like, it means it's mean, it means a lot to every player, but, like, it me- like when you see the grind that, like, a G League guy puts into their season, like, it just means almost, like, so much more. Um, so I'm happy that hopefully they'll be playing. Yeah, I'm uh I'm I'm very happy about that. I I think you know, it's going to be weird. It sounds like only like 12 games or something like that, more of an extended G League showcase than anything else, but mm-hmm. any way they can get those guys to run and hopefully they're paid, you know. I I know it's going to cost a lot of money to put this thing on and they'll probably get paid by the game, but they should just get paid a regular salary for the year, I would argue. Uh they can afford it. <laughs> it's uh 
just ask the NBA teams for some money, and I'm sure they'll be good to pay those very meager salaries as it begins uh, out in full. Uh, and, and I mean, I guess every other team is kind of at an advantage as a result of the G League Ignite team that's got all the uh, prospects for next year's draft on it. I think there's like three or four guys who are probably going to be first-rounders playing for that team alongside our boy Amir Johnson, which is the greatest thing in the world. Um, <laughs> and I, I guess like having to have that team play just to get some guys some run before the draft is probably going to ensure the G League plays in some way, shape, or form. It won't be the same, obviously, and uh, you know the... The thing actually taking place in Georgia probably helps out the Raptors a little bit because they'll be in Tampa. It's not like they'll have to be communicating with a G League team that's still somehow playing in, I don't know, I guess it would be Mississauga, but somewhere else, Buffalo, whatever it might be, somewhere further away. If they're right in Georgia, that's close to Tampa, that's good for call-ups, blah, 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 blah. That's nice. Uh, and yeah, Brissett, I mean, I'm excited he's back. I, I don't know where he slots in. I guess he's going to be like the fifth or sixth forward in, in, or like front court player. He'll play a little bit of backup five, things like that. Um, I still don't really know what his NBA utility will be long term. And it's a real bummer for him that the G League will probably not be a full season because he was getting some run at the end of last season, kind of as the main guy, like him and Paul Watson a little bit. Although mm -hmm. Watson was up with the NBA club doing his 45 days after Brissett kind of burned through his pretty quickly. And he was, you know, running the offense, ball in his hands from the wing. And, you know, I guess sort of like a Pascal Siakam situation, you know, mixed results on how good he was. He's not the best shooter or anything like that, but that kind of ticked up as the season went along. And he, you know, flashed a little bit that he has never been asked to, probably will be, never be asked to at the NBA level for more than a play at a time. But it's nice to have those extra skills developed and sort of being massaged. And here's hoping that he can become like, a three and D forward. That would be ideal. It'd be great. And it'd be a cool little story to have another successful Canadian dude on the team. Uh, that's all I really got on those off season, <laughs> on those weekend moves, Katie. There's not a ton to really get up in arms about or get excited about just yet. Uh, training camp's going to start this week. So we will have all sorts of updates. I'm sure in zoom calls and strange uh, zoom media days to get acquainted with in the coming days here. But um you know, more important than any of that is the Terrence Davis situation, and hopefully that gets resolved and he is uh, no longer on the team. Ideally, that'd be the best. Anyway, Katie, thank you so much for jumping on and talking about a not very easy topic to talk about today. And uh, thank you for all of your very eloquent and important writing on the matter as well. I, I know it's got to be exhausting, but thank you. Do you have anything you would like to promote? Thank you for having me, always. Um, not really. I just want to thank, actually, like I give an extended thanks to the, anybody who's read that Basketball Feelings piece I wrote on Terrence Davis, who's taken the time to respond to it. Um, not taking the time to send me screen grabs of the CBA uh, as if I hadn't read it before, um, and if that's not what the whole thing was about. But um, more supportive people, especially when especially when I feel like you can get really drained, at least I can get really drained. You feel like you talk about this stuff over and over and over and like kind of what is the point? What is a change? Am I just typing into the void? Uh, it means a lot to hear like good, like nice responses, kind responses that people are enjoying it. A lot of people have said, you know, kind of put a pin in things that they were feeling and didn't necessarily know how to articulate yet. And that means a lot. So I think just thanks everyone for your kindness. Yeah, uh, thank you, Katie, for being the best. And, uh, you know, 
I am bad at putting things into words, so <laughs> it's it's very nice that you are able to do that. Otherwise, this podcast would be a nightmare. Uh, <laughs> uh, you can find me, of course, on Twitter at Woodley Sean. You can subscribe to, rate, and review this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And also, it's time for our we or daily local business shout out of the day. Uh, you know, Amazon is bad. Big companies suck. Box stores are trash and uh, local businesses are really feeling it during COVID. And so for the next month, I'll be shouting out one local business a day on the podcast in Toronto or surrounding area for you to patronize and give your money to if you are still holiday shopping and doing stuff like that and want to support local as opposed to giving more money to Jeff Bezos. All right. Today's local business of the day is Glad Day Bookshop. It is uh, located at 499 Church Street. It is the oldest LGBTQ bookstore in the world, serving Toronto since 1970, per Glad Day Bookshop's Twitter handle, at GD Books. They're at gladdaybookshop.com. Again, 499 Church. They're doing pickup, uh, curbside pickup and shipping as well uh, for all their books right now. Reduced stock levels as a result of COVID, but you can make a stock inquiry or make arrangements for a pickup uh, by calling 416-901-6600. Shop at gladdaybooks.com, and they're open Monday through Sunday uh, till 8 p.m. each day. They open at 10 on, sa- on Saturdays and Sundays, 11 during the week. So Glad Day Books the uh shout out for today go and buy some books from glad day books 49 church street all right that is going to do it for today's podcast uh we'll be back again as i said tomorrow with big v vivek jacob we're going to dive into some of our favorite potential lineups for the raptors to get to in the coming season which is apparently just three weeks away somehow i don't know time is uh, flying by here or time is nothing and uh you know either could be true either way <laughs> thank you so much for tuning in we will talk to you again on tuesday with another episode of locked on raptors now go ahead and listen to locked on nba Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.